0: How are things?
1: Amazing. I'm so I'm so amped up about this. I could hardly sleep last night. I'm just going crazy <laughs> in my notebook of things to possibly discuss.
0: That's amazing. Um, awesome, episode one. So uh, our trailer yesterday was good and we're up and running. We're on the major platforms and we're ready to go. So I'm psyched for it.
1: I think someday people will speak of this like they do about Ozark. <laughs> Season 1, Episode 1, How It All Began, The Origin Story. I love that. Hey,
0: so why don't we give people a bit of a rundown of how we think this whole thing will function. Um, how you and I talked in the background a little bit was that we would kind of bounce off each other and talk about things that, or ask each other things that, that we wanted answered or we wanted the other one to kind of uh,
1: deliberate on. yeah. It's just like the uh, the live train of thought that happens between us. I think, right?
0: Um, I, I think the one thing that that excites me about this, and and this comes up a lot with people, is another podcast. Like, like everybody and their brother has a podcast. Like, I don't have enough listening hours in the day to pay attention to all these podcasts. Not to mention, ninety six percent of them are boring and put you to bed. And. I'm excited about this one because I think it will, one, if you're listening, just what I can tell you is listening through osmosis, you will pick up, at least from me, I can guarantee you, you will get some marketing value out of this. So if nothing else, you'll get that out of it. I know that people listening from your perspective and financial advisors and those in the investment industry listening, hearing from you, they're going to learn Things that you've talked about and how to grow your business and little tricks and and tips that you might be able to share and things that you've picked up along the way. So just through osmosis, I think this podcast will make people better operators in the industry. But on top of that, like I plan on having fun and, and taking this in different directions. So is that in line and, and is that does that match the question, the rhetorical question of like another podcast? Like, really, guys?
1: I mean, let's be real though. There's only like four or five good ones that exist, right? I mean, there's just <laughs> a lot of filler. Uh, so we're we're trying to fill the void of good podcasts uh, that are entertaining, a little bit of fun. Um, and I don't think that either one of us is um, at a point where we can't make fun of ourselves. You know, I certainly can. You know, we have absolutely made more mistakes, whether it be through marketing or building businesses, um, you know, than a lot of people. But. You learn from them, you adapt, you move forward. And we'll do the same with the podcast. It'll be good until it's canceled.
0: Agreed on that. Um, can we start by just addressing the spelling of the show? <laughs> How <laughs> many L's are appropriate? I can't get a straight answer out of uh, out of Google.
1: I will say I did consult uh, Investorpedia. Mm-hmm. And they have two L's in canceled. And that's the first thing that comes up on Google. So I say we roll with two L's and canceled. One L until a three total L's won't be the last L we have. But uh, how many
0: viewers and listeners will the double L versus the single L cost in the search is the question.
1: <laughs> I think most likely people are just going to be searching for your name, and they're gonna they're gonna find it anyway.
0: All right, I'm on board. Um, all right. We were each asked to bring a few topics to the table. And I know that you did that and you tried to ruin the interview last night and I didn't even read what you sent me so that it was fresh. Um, so what do you got?
1: Can we, can we start with LeBron? <laughs> we're just going to jump right into basketball. Okay. <laughs> sure can. I, and I won't say it's necessarily LeBron, but I, I just think about his entourage of people that he puts into his life, right? The, the nutritionist, the strength coach, the chef, right? He is a hall of famer of hall of famers, a generational type athlete. He is not afraid to surround himself with exceptional people. But too often people in our industries do not want to hire coaches. They think they can do it all themselves and won't hire people. That seems odd to me. All right,
0: let's expand on that. Like you want to be the greatest, what, no matter the industry you're in, you need to surround yourself with people that helping you that help
1: you be better and greater.
0: And what are you seeing in the and financial I believe world? LeBron,
1: I be- I believe LeBron can cook a piece of fish. I believe that he could, you know, I don't think that he has to have a chef. I believe he could cook that piece of fish himself.
0: Is it a money thing? I mean, let's be real. Like, let's just say, you know, advisor or you're, you're speaking about advisors. So let's stick on that. Yeah. Don't
1: want to hire help. Yeah, and I'm guilty of it. I mean, I finally got to the point I have trust issues, but I finally got to the point where we hired our, our first person and I am slowly delegating more responsibilities to function on more of the things that I should be doing. And I know that I should have been doing them for years. Is it trust or money? I think it's different for different people. It could be both. I mean, you gotta you gotta allocate your dollars wisely. But um, I mean, I think if you want to be in this game for a long time, which I think most of us do, I hope we do, that you have to use your time incredibly wisely in the most value-added type places.
0: I couldn't agree with that more, James. I thanks for the comment. Um, LeBron's not the worst. He's the worst because you live in Cleveland. <laughs> um, you know, whatever. We'll call him Steph Curry then to, to appease Mr. Yeah. Mayer. Yeah. So LeBron's
1: not loved in Cleveland? It's sensitive. Um, they wouldn't have a title without him. Is oh that better? You know, be the, is, are they? Is is Mark Price and Craig ELO where they'd rather hang their hat on the best years of franchise history? We're not anymore? gonna.
0: We're not going down this rabbit hole this early. Episode That's one, nice. eight minutes in.
1: We only have one viewer. We're, we're going to make it to zero really quick. <laughs>
0: um, I heard a long time ago when I got into kind of the business world was like everyone wanted to sharpen. Uh, your skills, right? It was like, let's make you better at, a, at, at and more well-rounded at all these different things. And as I've been in business for however many years now, I actually couldn't disagree with that more because I think what you do is you focus at what you're really good at and you get better at it. And then you hire or partner with the things that surround and complement you um, and don't take up the time in which You could get
1: better at at your craft thoughts on that yeah and i I, yeah you you gotta you gotta hone in and figure out what you do well and i think a lot of times people might spend their entire 30s figuring out what they do well that's fair you know so i mean i think it takes some time and sometimes you get some counsel from other people that you trust and they say you know hey this you know you do this pretty good or you might also get some counsel and say like this isn't your thing you know this isn't this isn't your shtick, you got to you got to get away from this and i think through trial and error you figure out what you do really good at what you enjoy and i think there is that trial and error of your 30s that leads you to hopefully making better decisions as business owners for the next 30 years
0: so when you speak to a younger financial advisor 34 31 28 36 whatever the age but still in this learning stage how would you coach them in complementing their skill set by outsourcing by hiring the folks that you talk about you know the lebron entourage kind of thing like coaching help um you know whatever it may be what what do you say to the younger advisor who's up and coming at that
1: i would say first off try things right you got to try stuff you can't get stuck down a single path and say this this doesn't work uh, so it'll never work right so Find somebody like yourself from a marketing standpoint, you know, if they, if they can't afford the Excelsior level of the Corey experience, you know, get on the James Pollard monthly newsletter for $99 a month, you know, a great investment to get your marketing mind, right. You know, don't spend all your time in the investment management world. That's a, that's a commoditized piece of the puzzle and then really up your education on what it means to be an advisor, to be a behavioral investment counselor and, you know, read the works of Nick Murray, like if you read Nick Murray's work, um, all the business stuff gets a lot easier because he really, really boils it down to the things that advisors should be focusing on and exactly how we help clients or should be helping clients. And that's probably where 90% of financial planners should be. So a lot of times you're eliminating tasks just by eliminating head trash. One of my, and I I will share this as a bonus, Uh, my 2022 New year's resolution was that I was not going to watch a single piece of news uh, media on television in 2022 so far how's that going hold holding the line haven't done it had had a text message today said uh from a client x xyz uh, news channel uh just said the stock market's going to crash tomorrow um because of the jobs report disastrous jobs report coming he said uh what do you think so go play golf
0: is that a real thing? How often does that come in? Like, because that's like a that's like a something that we all joke about and in, in, in just the industry that like advisors are fielding these most random, <laughs> frantic messages from clients. Does that happen often?
1: Hopefully not. I will say it's dem- it's certainly demographic based. Um, you know the the sixty and over retire type community. There is a fair number of them that literally from the moment they wake up until they go to bed, they have their favorite news channel on mm-hmm. the entire day. And I try to re- we try to reframe it when we work with people in the prospecting age about, you know, what we're doing and kind of from the behavioral standpoint of being a long term investor, that this stuff just simply doesn't matter because it does not matter trying to pre- predict those things and rearrange your portfolio accordingly will probably lead to more disastrous outcomes, but you know, we are so concerned or I think we're concerned about what we consume as far as the food we eat. I know that both you and I are on that track today. I mean, you lived a pretty carbless life for a, for a couple of months and I'm certainly trying to minimize, you know, my carbs as well, but we're so concerned about what we put in our body, but we're not concerned about the media that we consume. And when you get addicted to the financial pornography, you're literally retraining, re hardwiring your brain to think differently. And it is prompting you to behave emotionally, whether it be fear or euphoria with your money. Whenever you, whenever you react emotionally about anything, generally you don't make informed decisions.
0: I think this is one of the biggest unlocks for advisors that you most have just not harnessed yet, which is communicating to the world, whether your clients or prospects, that you need to outsource the emotional side of this and, and, and just give it to me and let me own it. And, and now you sleep well at night. I mean, that is literally what you guys are selling. That's the product. This isn't about 20 basis points. It's not even about 200 basis points. Like. Like, all right, you underperformed or you outperformed, whatever. I sleep well at night knowing Nick's got my finances, right? Like that's the answer that you guys need to communicate to bring in more business, right. in my opinion. Are,
1: are we on track? And yeah, that's what I talked with that client today. I was like, are we on track? Yeah, he's like, what do you mean? I like, are we on track to meet all your goals? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, you moved to the beach, right? Yeah. Why'd you move to the beach? I like the ocean. I like playing golf. It's like, Why are you watching the news? You know, don't worry about
0: it. I mean, guys, right, right now, anyone watching this or listening to this, um, that right there is a piece of content, right? That you turn that into a faux text message. Put that in the LinkedIn feed, right? Client, bloop. Advisor, bloop. And and you have a five second back and forth, or it's just a static message. That's a piece of content because that's what it is. It's right. You you hired me. You hired us to help you meet your goals. Are we doing that? Let's not worry about the noise today. It's it's zooming out on the Carl Richards thing, where you know it's the volatility. And then you zoom out, and it's just
1: a straight right. line up. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you get the magnifying glass too close to the page.
0: Sure. Um, let's put a bow on this one real quick uh, and and continue moving on. I. I couldn't agree more with partnering with the right people, with surrounding yourself by the right people, by making sure those whom you take uh, recommendations and guidance from are the right people. And and you don't even have to pay for it. It's like, who are you following on LinkedIn? Who are you consuming on YouTube, LinkedIn, wherever, Twitter, whatever it might be? Are they helping or hurting? And I think that are they successful, right? Like I laugh at I've been doing this for a few years now on the entrepreneurial side. I've seen two dozen marketers come and go. They, they come in like a hot flash. Uh, You see it in the LinkedIn feed, you stick a stake in the ground, they're there, they're doing their thing. And then maybe they just aren't good at marketing because they kind of just disappear.
1: Right. And I I would say the the other end of that is, is just as true as well, is that you need to avoid toxic people in your network. Sure. You know, block, unfollow, whatever. Like keep, keep your circle close because who you let in, intentionally or unintentionally, if you're exposed to toxic people, it will creep into your life. It will creep into your train of thought and how you evaluate things.
0: What are your thoughts, um, you know, we touched on it, thoughts on New Year's resolutions, Nick? Good, bad, indifferent? Um, are they tactics that don't work? What are you, what's your opinion?
1: I like goals. I do like goals. No, whenever the goals happen, they happen. I don't think I, I don't like the concept that it has to be a new year to have a goal. Um, I just like having defined goals that I do for a stated period of time. and I like to do short sprints, you know. Uh, I, I don't like I don't want to put a goal out there that's too far. I don't want to have a five year goal. I'd rather have a goal for five days, short sprints, get a win, come up with a new goal.
0: Yeah. I think that's the thing when people put myself included, but anyone, if you, if, if it's too long of a, if the goal is extended too far out, it's very hard to stick with it. Um, You know, I don't know if five days is necessarily the answer or if it's 45 days, but it might be somewhere in between. It's, you know, for me, I used my birthday on January 30 as my thing. And like, I had a great weekend. We went out, I ate, what I shouldn't have eaten, but I was behaving myself for 30 days leading up to that. And now I'm back on it. And it's like, can we stretch it another month, right? And and right. that's me talking fitness and, and food, but you talking media. Like if you're like, I'm never gonna watch the news again. Well, you're gonna watch the news again, right? Yeah. I mean, that's going to happen.
1: Well, what, what I was doing a lot of mornings, I would be working on my content or responding to emails. And just out of habit, I would just put, I would just put CNBC on and just listen to them talk about the market or whatever. And it wasn't a value add, but I would find myself in situations where I would want to comment and say something stupid like, well, you know, XYZ company's really going up because of earnings growth or, you know, hey, are you aware of uh, the PE multiple of this company? But that stuff doesn't matter. It's head trash. And I hated that about myself. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna eliminate it. If I don't have the knowledge about it, I don't have to speak about it. And so instead, a lot of times I'm working on my content now, you know, I listen to music. And honestly, I like listening to music a lot more than I enjoy listening to those people talk about random things that I don't think really matter to help people meet their goals.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a big one on that too. Hey, um I don't know. I think we can go in a million different directions, but I have a few things that I wanted to talk to you about, and I know you you've got the same for me. Um, I ask you this generally every three months. I feel like this is a quarterly conversation for us. But what's the what's your take on the current state
1: of the advisor space? From a marketing standpoint, or just advisors in general? Maybe both. I I think. As advisors, we should challenge ourselves as a community to do better. I think that uh, advisors a lot of times fall into two groups. You have group one who maybe through trials and tribulations and a, a lot of experience have become beaten down and no longer have the strength to tell clients what they need to hear. And that might be things like, hey, the news doesn't matter. I know this stinks but it's really painful to be a long-term equity investor and part of that means that every five years you're going to lose a third to 40 percent of your money on paper and that's just the price you pay to get the long-term trend line projection of owning mainstream equities hard conversation to have people don't like it people intuitively think there is a metric that exists that allows them to get out and avoid the bad. And that same metric will also indicate when they need to get back in and they can have all of the upside and none of the downside. That group of advisors gets beaten down over time. They're not strong enough to stay the course. The opposite, group B, is a group of young advisors who know, who might know the way or are learning the way, but maybe don't have the stones to say that to a client. So I think just as a community of advisors and planners, we just have to be stronger in telling our clients what they need to hear, as opposed to what they want to hear. I had a conversation with an advisor the other day, the capitulation conversation. Oh my goodness, I'm scared XYZ is happening. The market's going to fall up 40%. And he said, you know what, Nick, I was tired of fighting it. I didn't want to fight him anymore. They want to go to cash, let's go to cash right it's hard to stay the course for a long career and not give in when clients want to give in
0: i've from the outside i'd love your opinion or response to this i feel like it's an industry that i've i've learned tremendously well um, and, and i pay close attention to it obviously i feel like it's an industry that allows People and we're human beings, but allows people to get to a point and then be able to let off of the accelerator and kind of sit. And they don't have to grow anymore. The money's very sticky; it's not going anywhere. They just have to check a few boxes every quarter, every year. However often they have, they've they've kind of made that commitment to their clients to touch base or whatever. Um, I feel like the industry allows for much of that and i'm not blaming anybody i'm just saying that's kind of the way it is like if you get to scale you can float on the 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 fees coming off of your book and you don't have to challenge yourself to double that thing you don't have to and at the same time you don't have to challenge yourself to lose much of that thing either and that middle ground is where i feel like a lot of advisors may get stuck and 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 unfortunately miss on what could be
1: a, a thousand percent agree the the, the truth is a matter in a investor's lifetime there might only be a handful of conversations with your financial planner that really matter that are really trajectory-based conversations of your family's intergenerational wealth and well, I don't think that advisors necessarily have to be checking boxes every day, every week. They have to be prepared for when those times come to not capitulate when the clients want to capitulate. Um, should they be adding value in some form or fashion? Sure. And I I just look at it as right now there are so many people that need help across our country just from a financial education standpoint, from a baseline how to build a financial plan standpoint, I feel that we've been given a gift and a platform to help many people. And I would hope that we continue to find ways to help those people. And it might be when you reach capacity, you hire other people, train them the way to allow more people to get help the right way. Because if, if, if we hit capacity and don't continue to grow and don't continue to evolve and help people, where are people going to get help? And I question that if a group of really good advisors doesn't do it, the outcomes may not be great for uh, the next wave of people looking for financial advisors, financial planners.
0: What makes you think like that's a I love that you're thinking like that. But like, do we do we want to make an assumption that most advisors are thinking I want to be out there helping the world?
1: No, and they don't. Not, I mean, there, there's some that do, there's some that don't. I mean, there is, I mean, I think everybody wants work-life balance. That is one of the big appeals about being a financial planner. Right? You can work as many hours as you want to. You can work as few hours as you want to. And there's no, you know, there's no right or wrong way to do it. There's people who do a couple financial plans a month and, you know, they make good money and that's, that's enough for them. And they, they value that time with their family. And I'm sure there's ebbs and flows and there's seasons of life. But if you have a great process and you have the ability to help people, and I think we do, that if you don't want to do it, that's fine. But can you teach other people to do it with you?
0: Yeah, you're asking a lot. I mean, you're asking people to care more than maybe they do or should or, or would. Um, yeah. I, I'm I'm proud of you for saying that. But I, you know, the, the funny thing about my business and marketing is that the majority of advisors who need my help can't afford it they need to get to scale and grow their business to a point of where know my plan is or some of these other firms that you guys have a real business and they can't afford the marketing help to get there then there's the middle that gets there and then they don't want to spend the money because what we just talked about they're not hungry to to right. go much farther beyond and then there's a group that you know know my plan and 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 others there's very few of them that want to continue scaling that thing and then they then they can afford and want to hire someone like me and and my company, right? Like that's how I view the entire industry,
1: really. And there's a selfish motive too to growing the business, right? Because if if, if I can teach others how to do it and find people that I trust, because I know there are people out there across the world that I do trust, that I could build trusting relationships with, and they're not all going to work out. But if I can grow that business and bring other advisors into the mix, help more clients, that only helps my business valuation, right? So, I mean, there is a selfish component to that. Yes, I wanna go out and help people, but ultimately it's helping my bottom line, whether it's through selling the business or some point, or I pass away and my, my wife and kids receive a larger inheritance because of the larger business that i built. So I, there is a selfish component. I often think about: Are there ways that I could spend less hours doing this? But as we've talked uh, many late nights, I have a impossible time of turning it off because I'm always thinking, "What if I did it this way? What if I tried this? What 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 would, it, what would it look like if we did this?" Well, because building's fun for you. It is fun. Yeah, it's like my it's my passion project. Sure. Um, it may not be fun to everybody, and I get that
0: yeah and i think that's where i'm going with it i think for many it's an end, it's a means to an end right it's it's their yeah. job and then they want to be done with the job um what do you have any other fun things you want to discuss on your list over there before i hit you with another one
1: i mean i mean you're 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 on fire today so i'll let you fire you go um
0: do i want to transition and out of finance and then if i do can we bring it back in
1: like sure. I, This is no hold bar. This is unscripted.
0: (laughs) What the hell is going on in baseball with the hall of fame and the baseball writers and and the strike and them not recognizing that they are losing. They're, they're losing (laughs) what they had left of an audience.
1: Yeah. And why continue to demonize steroids? Um, yeah and and let's be real baseball wouldn't have existed over the past 20 years and it's its popularity would be much lower had the summer of sosa Maguire never happened the summer of sosa mcguire saved baseball like i don't even know that it would be on tv hardly if it wasn't for that i mean that i've was, got a stat i want to, pull up for to you. watch
0: uh someone sent me a stat the other day and if you turned all of Barry Bonds' home runs into outs, mm. he still has a lifetime, a higher lifetime OPS than David Ortiz.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all because Barry Bonds wasn't a likable guy. Right. I mean, bottom line, if he would have played nice with the media, um, he'd, he'd be in. But as a, as a baseball fan... I mean, is there any doubt that Barry Bonds is one of the best 10 players of all time? No.
0: No, but here's the problem. I've got two seven year olds. These guys are going to enjoy playing baseball because, like, Little League and it's fun, but, like, I can't get them to sit down and watch a Phillies game. Like, it's not like it was growing up. It's not America's pastime anymore. It's, they've, they've, Steph Curry's too fun for these kids to watch with the mouth guard and the, and and the movement. Like you, if you drop the bat wrong, you're getting, the next guy's getting plunked in baseball and then it's like, and then people getting thrown out. It's a whole thing. Like, I I feel like they're just sterilizing it to a point of, and it's not that I'm advocating like flaunting and all that, but like (laughs) you, if you break a rule, you can't, you can't even be in like the conversation anymore. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, 97 in the kidneys is no fun. From someone who's experienced 97 in the kidneys, it's it's not something you want to endure. I mean, that you want to avoid that at all costs. Um, and I'll tell you, two things have, have changed baseball. Number one, it's cell phones. I mean, if you go to a baseball game, yeah, there's no atmosphere because everybody's on their cell phones. Uh, number two, uh, the MLB network, which you would think would have been you know, promoting what I feel like is of watching a game of baseball. As a baseball lover, it's ruined the game for me because I love those guys in studio, uh, Sean Casey, Jim Tomey, Bill Ripken, uh, Greg Ansminger. I love them talking shop at a very intellectual way about baseball and then doing the live look-ins and they're doing commentary in real time on a game. And then they just jump jump from game to game. I mean, that is the way to consume baseball. I mean, that so you
0: is, want the red zone?
1: It's the red zone, yeah, yeah. And they got they got they got the best people in the business doing the commentary. I mean, you're just not going to beat Bill Ripken and Jim Tomey and Sean Casey talking baseball, telling real stories. You know, from back in the day. I mean, you, you don't you
0: don't beat that. So, you're advocating more of it.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I I think I can't going, sit down and watch a three and a half hour baseball game, but you give me sixty minutes, thirty minutes of that. Oh yeah, I love that.
0: Oh, I don't even think you need thirty sixty. I think that actually becomes what's on TV at seven o'clock all summer long. Yeah. Right, and you just let that run in the background, right? That's yeah. If if that's on for three hours, you're catching you know bases loaded, two outs. You catch that moment on the you know the orioles uh blue jays game and then they flip yeah. to san diego and they've got right they've got yeah. um Cause what's kids, his name
1: uh, uh, people want to see the stars right they want to see tatis yeah. and they want to see yeah. otani you know they don't want to miss those at bats and i think that's instead
0: what... we're stuck watching the local market and you've got like the eighth hitter <laughs> who is yeah. this guy where'd
1: he come from <laughs> right and now it's now it's 13 to 3 and you got a backup yeah. catcher pitching yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. In, uh, in the eighth inning um i I love baseball i mean that was the game that i grew up super passionate about but it's turned into not a great spectator sport because the atmosphere is not the same and i think atmosphere has a lot to do with a sporting event and i think just the atmosphere in stadium has changed and then um, we get so used to our attention span i think as a society has gotten a lot shorter
0: I don't think has gotten. I think it's we could book that.
1: Done right. Yeah. Done. Eighteen seconds.
0: But they could look. We let's be real. They that. could fix this. They they could fix this. They could bring They could put in higher definition scoreboard mechanics like they have done in the NBA, and you're getting a real close view of that pitch coming into the catcher, right on a forty-eight, a, a two hundred foot television in center field rather than just the guy's picture and his stats yeah um you know they could have a live look at the guy taking a lead off a of second base or first base like they they could do a lot more with it they could like you said a 97 mile an hour fastball in the kidneys is no fun well maybe don't throw the pitcher out for doing it because tatis showed up the pitcher in the home mm-hmm. run that's just the way of the game i'm okay exactly. with taking a little yeah. heat um and, and then to your point I mean, that red zone thing is easy. Just do what uh, they're doing with the Peyton broadcast, right? Peyton and Peyton just talking in their basements. Yeah. You know, Sean, Casey, whoever. You know, these guys are having a couple beers, watching the game, talking stories about taking you know, flights and doing their whole thing. Make it more fun, especially... Here's the unlock. Make it fun for us, the guys who grew up loving this game, and then we'll make it fun for our kids.
1: Yeah. It's a great game. You know we just had the anniversary this past summer field of dreams i mean great great movie i just I don't think don't watch, i know you don't watch movies
0: no i i love that movie i i just i don't think locking out some of the game's greatest players because you're holding this rule book
1: as like the right? end all be all the litmus test yeah roger clemens too i mean on what planet is roger clemens not a first ballot hall of famer Yeah, right. It's it's silly. I mean, he's one that you tell your kids about. Like, do you realize how good this guy was? He threw 100 miles an hour and had a splitter that dropped straight off the plate.
0: Well, what if we find out that Tiger Woods did steroids the whole time? Yeah. I mean, as a consumer, I don't care. I I, jo- I I don't think I mean it, it might make healing and and you a little bit stronger if you catch that fastball Barry Bonds but you could pump me full of every needle on the planet I'm not hitting one ball into the bay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean so. he was he was a Hall of Famer pre-steroids when he was a pirate and he was much thinner. I mean he was still one of the top, you know, handful of players on the planet. And um you know to, to single him out it's unfortunate it's not it is it's, it's 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 just he's not likable I mean it is what it is he's not likable
0: neither is Michael I mean, Jordan
1: Michael Jordan has a certain swagger that was lovable to him
0: Nike. he's, he's him... lucky that he came in the era when he did because if he was in today's era with a camera in his face every five minutes yeah. I mean he's one of those guys that would just
1: Nike Nike slash Gatorade made him lovable. The slam dunk contests made him lovable. The the great smile made him lovable. I mean, I think he had enough that made him somebody that your mom would approve of. You know, I think
0: culture made him lovable because we didn't know him enough.
1: Right. You know, it, maybe it would be different if we knew that he had a gambling problem or at the time. You know, maybe if, if we knew that he had a, a, a drug issue or whatever the case may be maybe. But I mean, yeah, I mean probably not the nicest nicest guy in the in the locker room by all accounts. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. I mean ask ask Scotty.
0: Yeah, well, that's all
1: different. Scotty's on like a revenge tour for some reason. Just like the classic song from the nineties, Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> um
0: what else you got for me?
1: Yeah, so one of, my, uh, one of the things that I wanted to get more intentional about this year was gift giving, like to be a better gift giver. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my friends, who I haven't really spoken with in a long time, a couple of weeks ago said, "Yeah, hey, hey Nick, I want to let you know that I'm dropping something to you in the mail. I need to get your address. And I'm like, Billy, what's going on, man? I haven't hardly talked to you. Why are you getting me a present? He's like, I came across something. And it's perfect for you so like now i'm excited you know a friend from growing up back in the day let me share this with you is that a... this is bases loaded oh that's awesome so we speaking about baseball you know growing up we would play baseball out in the yard all day in the summer like from 8 a.m till 5 p.m all day and we lived about a hundred yards apart from each other. When Describe that inside, for, for this, the listeners, so they know
0: what you're looking at. Is he's he's holding up like
1: a um, yeah? This is a podcast. I apologize. This is this is bases loaded, which was the classic Nintendo video game, but it's it's the handheld pocket player. Um, and I haven't opened it yet because we. I can hear on, the beep in my head right now. Uh, we are yeah, we are going on vacation. <laughs> next week as a family and it's going to be about an eight hour car ride and i have saved this bad boy for that moment um so i mean we used to keep stat we had a we had like the scorebook and we would keep stats when we played games like we were really into it um so i mean this was just so cool to get a great piece of nostalgia from our from our childhood uh, and I know my kids are excited to play it too, so I can't wait to share Oh,
0: you're cracking it open. See, I'm, I am would leave it on the shelf, not to make money out of it, but just to keep it.
1: I'll probably keep the box, but I'm absolutely cracking this bad boy open. I mean, I got 16 hours in a car with three young kids. <laughs> Download the app. I'm sure there's a game on your phone that's called yeah, the same you, thing. Yeah, you're probably right. I'll check into that. But I thought that was, <laughs> that was super cool, so I'll, I'll share this episode with my friend Billy Henry from back home. I just thought super thoughtful, you know? I
0: love surprise and delight. And I think it is the most underutilized um, opportunity. And I don't mean that from like a selfish point of view. I just think when you surprise someone that you're thinking about them and do it through some sort of physical gift that just shows up, I mean, you change someone's day. And and then that relationship has really takes another you've, you've reinforced that relationship for quite a while.
1: Yeah. And then, um, uh, Jonathan Benderson sent me a great Carl Richards, um, the calendar, his yearly calendar that he puts out. I mean, he knows I like drawing pictures. He knows I like Carl Richards. Awesome gift. Um, so, I mean, I just think it's so cool. Like you said, you can really change someone's day, you know, by, by giving a gift. It's something, That I've actually because of those two gifts I've actually spent a decent amount of time with my eight-year-old talking about that especially over the holiday season and everything and like you know hey I know this sounds weird buddy but you know you're going to reach a point someday and hopefully sooner rather than later where you realize it's a lot cooler to give somebody a gift than it is to get a gift like it's yeah it's great to get a gift we all like getting a gift I love getting bases loaded in the mail super pumped But man i love sending people good gifts and that's like i I would love to instill that trait in my children you will but that
0: that. that, that, that's a that's a done deal um and i agree with you and you know you mentioned jonathan bedner and, and there's a handful of advisors that just do such a good job of not thinking of the micro the, I don't want to spend the dollar, what's the ROI of this for me? Right. Well, the ROI might not be there today. You might not make 300 bucks on that or $6,000 over the next couple, you know, but the ROI long-term is that you're talked about like this and people think about you like that.
1: Yeah. And what is the time value weight of a good relationship? Yep. You know, you have a great relationship with somebody for the next 30 years, Maybe sparked by a small token of appreciation. You can't put a price on that.
0: Agreed. Just scrolling around here. Um, yeah, that's that's all I've got on my on my docket for you today. I'm happy to go in any direction you
1: want to go. There's no time limit on this podcast. Um, I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw one at you because I know you're a 76ers fan,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and this might be a little painful. Bad teammates. Where do you stand on on Bit, Ben Simmons?
0: Where do I stand?
1: Yeah, it's just a whole. I mean, the whole thing's a disaster, right? Franchise hostage.
0: And I, well, he's not holding them hostage, which makes me happy because he's picked a fight with a general manager or president of operations that. Doesn't play games in Daryl Morey, which I love. Like the Sixers easily could just have moved him months ago, taken what they could get, and have washed their hands with it. Daryl has said no, and on top of that, Daryl has said we're not paying you, and you know until you show us that you actually have some sort of mental health counseling going on, you're 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 just sitting at home. Um, my take on Ben Simmons is that we are dealing with someone who's been spoon fed on top of having some narcissistic traits. And, and this is kind of what you get out of it. It's like, you can't take criticism. You can't take heat. You can't deal with it and, and poor me, everyone's against me and I'm taking
1: my ball and going home. At what point though, do the 76ers have to try to extract some value? I mean, what's, what's the long game here? That's the part I don't understand. Is it they think that he's eventually going to get the mental health that he needs and all of a sudden is going to develop a, the desire to get in the gym and work on his jump shot?
0: I've, I mean, I live here, right? So I've heard Daryl has been very forthright and, and, and shared more than most general managers would on this on, on local radio. And he recently has said, we could wake up and deal with this every day for four years. That's how long this contract is. Right. Um, he said, look back, and he's a historian of the NBA, which I love about him, and, and he thinks about it like this, and I think he'll appreciate this. He says, look back at the champions, all the teams that have won a title. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to help win a title. You win a title with difference makers. Ben Simmons was a difference maker on our team. He is an elite defensive player. He moves the ball. He creates opportunity. He does things that many other floor generals cannot do. Us trading him for peripheral help does nothing but make our seeding better. But when it gets to crunch time in the playoffs, we do not have an extra difference maker, which we need to partner with Joel. So we will hold him until we can find that we can bring in a difference maker in exchange for him. And then the question is, well, who's to say that that's going to happen? He's rotting on the shelves. And Daryl's retort to that, or point is, these, as time goes on, I believe that people will see and recognize all of the things that Ben Simmons did so well and so great. And and there will be a curiosity there in which they will want or be eager to bring him in and try him in their system, in their city, right. in their team. And and Ben's not hurt. Ben's in a gym. He's in his prime. He's 24 years old. And, and so Daryl's point of view on this is, He's not coming to work, he's not getting paid, but we 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 own that contract.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of coaches, a lot of GMs that have a God complex that think they're the ones who can fix him. And there will I, I do agree that at some point there will be a coach, a GM that's willing to take that shot, thinking, Yeah, look at all the things that he did great. We know there's some negatives, but I think I'm the guy that can fix that
0: well what if Bradley Beal wakes up tomorrow and he's like the hell with DC we're not winning here we're not doing like what am I doing here this sucks I want out and it just works that that contract could work out that trade and and on top of that like you said the GMs have a God complex GMs also like have contracts and maybe if you're you've, you've you've made two moves that didn't work you can sense that the owner might want to move on you might have to take a shot
1: yeah to try something yeah yeah sometimes you have to take a swing sometimes you have to take a swing i mean i think I, you just don't want to get stuck with him i mean i i understand that you know daryl's standpoint you know we're willing to hold the contract as long as we have to hold the contract but what is in beads window you know big guys don't exactly age incredibly well and then no they
0: don't but like nick let's let's be real like let's have this conversation like we're just being real about it like what, what would you bring in for Simmons, right? The, the offers being tossed out there are peripheral guys. Like, you could yeah. bring in three guys that, you, you know, want a backup to Seth Curry, someone who might be able to start at power forward. Like, who are we, like, Trevor Ariza kind of play? Like, who are we talking about? And then, then you've got to take minutes away from others to get these guys' minutes, and, like, neither of them, the person you're taking the minutes away from or the person that comes in, you don't know who's really that much better because they're B level players.
1: Did they miss the window to move him when this first happened? Uh that, last summer or, out, or even before that. Will this turn out to be like his great mistake that they didn't move on from him sooner?
0: Yeah, but that's timing the market, right? Like yeah. like I'll play devil's advocate with you like should investors have sold certain stocks? you know right
1: yeah yeah. whenever whenever you have the answer key the test is a lot easier
0: i think this is going to go down and and ben simmons is going to wake up and be our age and i unfortunately think he's going to have a massive regret in his life yeah this isn't going away you're not you're not i don't care if you you can bitch about living in philly and that the crowd's tough like and that maybe only new york or, or or boston or chicago or la might be equally or more difficult so what they're going to ship you to orlando and then you're going to sit out every road
1: game right and then you're going to play in front of a crowd that doesn't care like right that's my much, like i mean wouldn't you much rather have a place that's tough and a no he
0: wants family? a crowd that doesn't care he's got the markel faults thing he, he doesn't <laughs> want anyone saying but my point is you train to orlando and then orlando goes to boston boston's gonna give him hell is he gonna sit out I mean, we're talking about a guy who's afraid to go to the foul line because he's scared of being booed and heckled.
1: Yeah. I mean, at what at what point in his life, I mean, it would be, it'd be great to know more of his story. And I guess part of it is being told how great you are probably from the time he was 12 or younger. But the fact that somebody that, that is that talented and that skilled has just avoided working on his shot is shocking.
0: It's so shitty because like if you even look back at lsu like he checked out there when times got tough oh yeah done right like yeah it's frustrating as a sixers fan because it's he never got it he just has never it's never clicked like hard work man like i I talk to the kids about this all the time and you and i'll text about this like you and my brother and i'll talk about this a lot like skill gets these guys to the league but then it's the hard work that makes them stars.
1: When I was probably twelve years old, I got to go to a Phoenix Suns practice. Um, this would have been the early '90s. This was uh, Marley, um, Barkley, that group, and uh, Danny Ainge was the coach at the time. So we were in their we we're in their practice arena, and um, Chuck is wearing sweatpants shooting free throws on the side he worked out a little bit um and just walked up and down the court and um but the other guys they were busting it like the young guys uh Joe Klein was there too it was hilarious but to watch those guys work was incredible I mean they worked and um uh, Barkley came over and talked to the group that I was with there's probably 15 of us 20 of us and he was like, yeah, what people don't understand is when you play every day, you can't practice at a hundred percent. He's like, but see these guys running on their own without coaches. He's like, they don't play in the games, but they're doing this. So they're going to be ready when their numbers called, you know, those guys worked like I've never seen anybody work in my life. I mean, they ran sprints for, and we're talking all-out sprints for, like, 20 minutes after practice, busting it.
0: But well, think about, like, I don't know, what if you were the ninth man off the bench and yeah. you've bounced around, you're on your third team, but you're making good money, you know, your family's taken care of, but, like, the young guys are there to take your paycheck. Like, yes. So you've got to work your butt off to stay on the, as the ninth guy on that bench.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's nothing more competitive than those last spots. I mean, those are highly, highly competitive spots to have, you know, because there's a huge difference between being a two-way player, you know, between the NBA and the G League, or just being a G League guy. You know, from a financial standpoint, you want to do everything you can uh, to be tra- to be traveling with the NBA roster, a hundred percent. Oh yeah, roster, I mean, we're talking any, anytime.
0: charter planes and buses
1: (laughs) it's a difference yeah huge difference and i know a couple of guys um you know that are on that line that have been two-way players that have um you know had had the guaranteed contract you know it's 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 hard work those guys work incredibly hard but it was fun to see that up close in person I had much more fun watching an NBA practice than I have watching an NBA game. That was a really cool experience.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, JJ Redick was saying on his podcast recently, he was talking to Matisse Dybul, but they were chatting, and it was like the players say they actually love playing for Doc Rivers. Um, JJ played for him uh, in in L.A., but because he allows the one through eight guys to kind of, coast through their practice because he wants to take it easy on the knees and everything yeah but it's the eight through 12 and then the premier g leaguers that are trying to get in that that put in that that
1: heavy work on the off days yeah it's their job i mean it it is their job i mean they they have to be in great physical condition they have to be ready um to execute when their number is called and all those guys are going to get a chance to the uh, through an 82 game regular season where their number will be called but they only might get one or two chances to shine and i think the guys that take it serious are the ones that are doing shots at game speed and for, like, there's one thing to get up shots but there's another thing to get up shots at game speed and game situation yeah.
0: I, I think you can tell a lot at the end the last minute of a lot of nba games that are blowouts you can see who's gonna stay on the roster and who's not because you get some of those guys from the G League in there and they're just, they they touch the ball and they shoot just because they hope that if they make it, they'll stay. And yeah. it's it's funny that it's actually quite the opposite. It's it's the players who mimic the st- the sets that the coach puts in, pull the ball out, set up a play and and move it around that actually stay around a lot longer.
1: Yeah. Uh, which goes back to being a good teammate or a bad teammate people want to surround themselves with bad, with with good teammates and organizations need to try to rid themselves of, you know, toxic people, bad teammates, especially on the periphery. Like you can't afford to be a bad teammate if you're guy number 13.
0: Yeah. You better be a really <laughs> good guy. Yeah, right. The Judd uh, Bushler syndrome. What would what let, let's do a, th- a thing here as we start to exit these episodes where we give some value back to the audience and, and we'll do it from a marketing perspective and we'll do it from a financial planning, uh, financial advisor perspective. Like anyone watching who, or listening, right? This, the, the, the video here is secondary. Anyone listening to this as a financial advisor, as a financial planner, as someone trying to grow their business, what one takeaway would you like to give them to, to, to your, use your word noodle to, to think
1: about? Be prepared. So, you know, bear markets are going to happen. You know, corrections are going to happen. You have to be prepared ahead of time. And I'll give you an example. I've had an email prepared approved by compliance for two years about a market correction, market dropping 10% or more. The second the U S stock market was down 10% this year, within 30 seconds, that email went out to all of our clients reassuring them that it's normal talking about appropriate investment behavior well that probably saved myself hours of phone calls follow-up emails and appointments be prepared you know certain things are going to happen get them approved ahead of time
0: that is an unbelievable anecdote i purposely have not said anything for the last 45 seconds because I want to use that as a clip. That's a terrific anecdote um, and, and something that advisors should should all pay attention to and do.
1: You can't do it in real time. Things don't move quick enough. You know, it takes three days to get the email approved. And you send it 72 hours later after the doom and gloom of the financial pundits and the financial pornography have taken root in their mind, too late it's not that you're too late. It just, if you're early and
0: quick with it, it shows how close you are. And then and, and you you have your finger on the pulse and that you're paying attention. Yeah. Doing nothing is too late. Ignoring it altogether.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a, everybody loves promptness. And I think it's short attention spans, but to get an email at 1033 when you can tell it wasn't, Defaulted email going out at 9 a.m. exactly, or something like that. You know, I had exactly the high mark of the SP. Hey, Corey, as I write this letter to you today, the SP is currently at 46.44. We've just entered correction territory. This is what it means. There's no reason you can't get all that stuff done ahead of time. And if you haven't done it now, get one done. Get one done for the bear market when things are down 20. Go ahead and get one done for the catastrophic down 40 get it all approved ahead of time and also it, it puts you in a standpoint that you can write it from a calm state of mind you don't have to be writing that letter in real time when the market's down 20% you're gonna be a better better author and a better communicator put some jade in the background smooth operator let it rip I love that that's' um... Not the not the music reference, but I
0: love the the <laughs> anecdote. Um, the one I will leave folks with from a marketing perspective is this. And I, I shared this um, recently and I talk about it all the time. So it's not anything new to most of you, but guys, no one is out there talking about your business for you. So if you're not showing up and talking about your business on your behalf, I don't know how else you expect to grow your business and get new clients. And I know that there are people out there preaching referrals and and and, and advertising and all these different things. But I, I will tell you this, I promise you communicating to the people you want to work with through digital content consistently is the number one way for you to bring in more attention to what it is you're doing and what you're building and, and ultimately will lead to you having more conversations that will lead to you having more clients. So the long-winded that's the long-winded way of just saying you guys need to be more consistent with your digital content and talking about your business on your own behalf
1: nobody wakes up thinking you know what Corey? life would be much better with a financial planner you know no
0: it's a it's a task it's uh, i've
1: got to find that's what it is but what what you want to have happen is for that 1%, 2% of the population that has had some sort of life event that says, you know what, it's time. I can't do this on my own anymore. Um, or I know I'm not where I need to be. I could use some help. You just want to be one of the top two or three people that they think of when they have that moment. You know, you're, Bye, not trying to beat, you're not trying to beat them down. You just want to be relevant for when they have that epiphany and they have that moment in their life. You know, and that's that's why we create consistent content
0: bottom line um nick awesome good first episode uh we've hit the hour mark not that i care we could talk for three hours it doesn't matter but i I do want to save some topics for future episodes with you but i'm excited about this guys thanks for listening and thanks for watching good till canceled uh if you're watching on youtube please subscribe please like this uh please follow the show if you're listening please also obviously add the show to your feed subscribe like it we appreciate it send us feedback connect with us on linkedin um you know we'd love to talk to you guys and as nick and i have said we'll you know continue with the back and forth conversation and the banter and, and delivering you guys value from a marketing and a financial um, advisor perspective but we'll also we'll, we'll bring on guests and, and we'll talk in a multitude of different directions but this is fun and i'm excited and hopefully you have fun well,
1: it was a great time can't wait to do it again Corey.